Red Lagos, thank you so much for staying with us on the glass ceiling today. Um, like I said, when we started the show, we're going to have a conversation that requires having. Now, you know that on the glass ceiling, we talk about all of those invisible barriers that hold women back in the workplace, in the society, in politics, everywhere, really. And we have these conversations so that we can look for practical ways and all of the tools that we can uh, aim at the ceiling and shatter it. And we don't do it with just women. We have women, we have men, and it's usually very great. Now, today we've had several conversations about the topic that we're going to address today, by the way. We've had several conversations on this show about rape. We've even had a two-part show on rape culture. And the two hours we spent talking about rape culture were not enough. We didn't even begin to scratch the surface of that topic. What's rape culture? You're asking that again. Sandra, how can you say that we have a culture of rape? It's basically when a society creates an enabling environment for rape by making rape easy to do and to get away with. It's when, as a group, we teach men that it's okay to use force or to use influence to make women or other men have sex with them against their will and we force the survivors to be silent because we wrongly make them ashamed. Rape culture is when we allow those who are in authority to abuse their authority because we're not uh, the people who want to believe uh, 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 those who accuse them of rape. And today we want to talk about rape culture in one particular institution. Like I said, and I've been hinting this throughout the show, we will have this conversation about the church. Religious bodies are institutions like every other. They are made up of people, all kinds of people, and some of these people are rapists. There are rapists in every organization. The question is, does my organization give them room to operate? And now we're hearing so many stories about sexual abuse, sexual grooming, sexual harassment, and rape by church workers. But more disturbingly, we hear stories about these crimes being covered up, not just by church officials, but even members, including the families of the survivors. I know that there's a story in the headlines today, but even before this weekend, these stories have been whispered. Today on this show, no more whispering. I want us to talk openly about this and see how big the problem is and figure out how to help the church fight it. And we're not here to attack religious institutions. We're here to attack rape. And joining me to launch this attack are Shema Ede Okoye. She's a human rights lawyer. Hello, Shema. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Sandra. Thanks for having me. Okay. Uh, we have uh, Franklin Ikediaso, who is a former church cell leader. Hello, Franklin. Hi, Sandra. Good to have you Thank on the you show. Thank you for having me. Thank okay. you for having me. All right. So we also have uh, Dr. Kemi uh, Da Silva. She's on the show with us as well. She's the founder for Warif. Thank you for having me. Okay. All right. Great. Then uh, let me start with uh, Dr. Da Silva. Now, your organization works with women who have survived rape, right? Women from all sectors of our society. How common is rape at the hands of church members or church workers? Well, I would have no idea. Okay. Um, um, Shema, you've worked with uh, young people who have stories about um, rape or abuse by church workers or, or church officials. In, in these rapes by church members and officials, do you often see that church officials use their position in the church or as a moral authority to make the rape possible? 
First of all, I've worked on sexual and gender-based violence for a long time. I yeah. think I've been doing this since I was called to the Nigerian bar. Mm. And so what I have noticed about rape, so I can give it context, to give context to the conversation, mm-hmm. um, what I've noticed about rape is rape is always an exercise of power. Mm. It's not so much as... That's why you don't see them going to prostitutes. Mm. Rape is... Sec- commercial sex workers, sorry. Rape is about exercising power... Um, showing that you have authority over someone over mm. their body mm. and so we see that happen in with people who have some measure of authority and that's why they get away with it we see that um, young girls in I've worked with young people in church that's why I got drawn to teenagers because mm. I realized that you look up to someone the person is basically the embodiment of everything you think makes sense. Charisma, has says the right words, has a relationship with God because you're raised in a Christian home or mm-hmm. a Muslim, a religious home, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. And so you find that those people, and ever so often, the major element in rape is consent, isn't it? Yeah. And so rape without consent, um, sex without consent is rape. Yeah. So the law says if you are not 18 years old, you can't give consent. That's right. And so most people think she's 15, she's wild, she had sex with her youth pastor or choir master and so that makes it okay she wanted it she's a wild child mm. but we forget that she's not at the age where she has consent mm. she can give consent and it's also about the fact that you had authority and you abused it and because you wanted to exercise some sort of power because you knew you had that kind of power mm. and you needed to take it to another level mm. and so it's basically layered up if I must say so. Mm. Uh, Franklin, you were a former uh, uh, cell leader, a, a former church leader. Do you think yes. it's it's more difficult for women who are raped in church to speak up? Yes, actually. Yes, I actually agree because, you know, there's a lot of morality, you know, so, so like, women are held up to higher standards. Mm. So, generally in society, mm-hmm. more so in the church. So, the question now is, do we have channels for women to speak up mm. without repercussions? So you, you hear things like, oh, she's, she's being used, she's trying to pull down the church, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. And then, so there's also this thing where it's like, oh, like if it's a pastor, like, oh, don't, don't touch not my anointed. Mm. So that scripture is often being weaponized in a wrong context. So it's like, oh, let's not touch uh, touch our anointed and all of that. So there's a lot of manipulation mm. that is utilized. And it's very important. We have to understand. I always say that rape is not a crime of sex. Mm. Rape is a crime of power and control. Yeah, Shema just said sex that. Sex is the weapon used. Mm. And now if you look at how churches, how churches, how the institution is, mm. you can understand why. Because there are lots of powerful men, Muslim men, who can use their office to manipulate younger or impressionable people. Mm. So this person that you've looked upon, that is your standard, that mm. guides you. You know, people call their pastors, is my life coach, is this, is that. This is the person that guides you, provides direction, mm. spiritual guidance for your life. Mm. And then when the person begins to, you know, make inappropriate moves towards you, you're, you're first confused. Okay, is this in my head? Oh, he's my pastor. He's just trying to comfort me, just trying to... And then when the lines start blurring, you're in denial. Mm. You know, which way, when I read some of these stories and then the women talk about how they didn't know how to react, I can actually see that happening because this is someone that has spiritual guidance over mm. you. Mm. So in, within that context, it now becomes a very, you going after a very powerful man. 
Mm. And then, oh, you're being used by the devil. The devil is trying to use you. And there are even cases where they know the man is guilty. But then in some quarters, they'll tell you, oh, uh, men of God are not to be reproached by... You know, there's this scripture they always talk about. You don't take our matters. Paul was writing to the Romans, I think. Mm. So you don't take our matters to the court. So the elders of the church have to, you know, intervene, quote Mm. and unquote. Mm. So there are many layers to this. And the the end point is that victims are shamed into silence. Mm. Uh, You understand? Let me come back to Shema. Shema, we often hear that we rape so many times. It's the word of the accuser versus the word of the accused, right? Are rape survivors uh, at a disadvantage when it's a clergy that has been accused simply because people tend to believe clergy? I think um, it comes back to rape culture. Mm. And yes, it's you could put c- clergy into that context, but I think it goes across everything. Mm. Why do I say that um, rape culture says that whatever sexual violence was perpetrated against you, you deserve it. Mm. But whether it was the way you were talking, the way you were walking, mm. or the way you were dressed, mm. whatever violence that happens to you as a woman, you deserve it. Mm. And so when it happens, because maybe because clergy are supposed to have like a closer relationship with God, um, it's easier to believe the the accused mm-hmm. than the accuser but I think it's much bigger than that I think it's the culture of rape we have in our country and it happens with fathers molesting their daughters mm-hmm. it happens with bosses harassing their subordinates, their subordinates. Mm-hmm. it happens across all journeys but what makes it more painful I think why we're all in an opera and uh, we have our panties in a bunch mm-hmm. that word. <laughs> it's because spiritual authority a spiritual authority you know you can deal with everything but someone that's supposed to be like a moral leader mm-hmm. just doesn't make sense how could you do this kind of perpetrate this kind of violence mm-hmm. against someone but mm-hmm. let's look at fathers who molest their daughters mm-hmm. and I think that's even a bigger problem mm-hmm. fathers it's o- and it's okay and you know the mothers are aware sometimes and they can't do anything about it mm-hmm. so when you see that even happens within a smaller space mm-hmm. so it makes it okay for church people to do that. To cover it so up. So it's our system that is twisted. It's our attitude towards sexual violence that mm. we need to rethink. Mm. Uh, uh, I'm curious, though, uh, Franklin. Do you yes. think that for church goers, do is it is it about when it comes to rape accusations and the members who rise up in arms to cover this up? Is it about oh, a spiritual leader can do no wrong, or is it about let's not expose the wrongdoings of our spiritual leader? Which is it? So it's a lot of things. So first of all is, okay, our man of God can do no wrong. Mm. Number two, there is, oh, we don't invite the world to come and judge our matters. Mm. And then number three, so religion is a personal ideology. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to admit or wants to be told that they believe wrongly. So even, I can say, I I was reading a lot of responses to this um, particular church case, you know the case I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And I was telling someone that a lot of these people know that this thing is true. But you don't want to admit that I'm a, I was wrong. I believed wrongly. I've been attending this place for 10 years. I've been speaking to people. I've been inviting people to church. So all of this was false. You don't want to admit that to yourself, even though you know that there are questions to be asked. Mm. And again, I also talk about there's a lot of mind control. So the church I used to attend, one of the favorite lines they used to watch is, rebellion is equivalent to witchcraft and sorcery. My Bible is, my Bible knowledge is a little rustic, and I can't remember where that is, but it's somewhere in the Old Testament. Okay. So it's something they will tell you all the time, it's mm. equivalent to witchcraft and sorcery. Okay. This, is, this extends even up to asking questions 
there was a time there was a divorce in the church mm. by the president and we couldn't talk about it mm. and everything like it was just hush hush and they're like oh you don't put your mouth into those sort of matters and at some point i was asking someone is this a call we can't even ask questions what is going on mm. is this a call mm. so that's what so, so all of these things come together and then you don't have the members to rise up in arms because you are told it is an affront. Hmm. So this last Sunday, in a lot of the churches, the message was that Christianity is under attack. That is the message in a lot of the churches. Oh, yeah. the devil, but, 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 but the let, weapons of our West, uh, warfare are not canon. Yeah, yeah but let, let's step away from that, Franklin. And let me come to uh, Dr. Uh, da Silva Ibru for, for a sec. You know, um, in all of the things that's been going on recently, the, the term grooming has been coming up a lot. Now, you do a lot of work with survivors of sexual abuse, and you probably have better knowledge of what grooming is than the average person. In various areas of life, we hear of people in positions of power grooming young people for sexual abuse. What is grooming? How does it work? There's a parent listening to me right now, and she needs to see that, oh, this is not happening to my son or to my daughter. Well, grooming, by definition, is when, like you rightly said, an adult, usually in a position of authority, decides mm -hmm. to take advantage of a probably more vulnerable and younger individual. Hmm. In scenarios that we're more familiar with and the f narratives that we're familiar with, it's usually in a family setting. And you would probably have the caregiver, many a time a father role, be it a stepfather or a biological father, hmm. who does intend from the child being in at a very young age hmm. or very slowly enticing the child into acts typically of sexual nature. Mm. It usually starts with a kind word to a child that's oftentimes that disenfranchised, sad, lonely child. And child here is anybody below 18, Anyone let's below be clear. Because you say child and you're thinking of a little, of a little baby. Child. Yeah. Um, typically this is a young person mm. that probably already has a lot of social issues. Mm. In other words, they may have problems at school, mm -hmm. they may have very sort of weak friendship circles, and they don't really have, uh, if you will, an individual that they can lean on that would be considered a good and concerned adult in their lives. And so the groomer, this is the individual that's taking advantage of this young child, mm. takes his or her time, because in some instances it could be female, and over a period of, you know, however long it will take, mm. actually encourages this child to come and share. So it usually starts with an emotional dependence. Mm. And over time, oh. this emotional dependence slowly becomes more of a physical dependence. Mm. And in many scenarios, especially so. in homes in this environment, even a financial dependence. Mm. Because you have many children and many young people that are financially dependent on many caregivers. Mm. And the sad truth is, um, this child is then made to feel confused. Because they are then forced into acts that obviously are not only awful in the eyes of a young or an adult person mm -hmm. but then they're also made to feel almost accountable for the actions of the adult almost like it's the child's fault that this happened mm. and so this is a very sad scenario that we see often mm -hmm. and as a result of the fact that children known but to love 
those that they've grown to become dependent upon, mm. it also fills them with a lot of confusion mm. in terms of their emotional state mm. because they do have strong feelings and attachment mm. to their groomers. Mm. And then is that maybe why? Because um, okay, so with the with the big headline uh, story that is you know causing all of this conversation, is that maybe why um, some people? When this person who has spent all these years grooming them, uh, when they then want to have uh, uh, um, sexual relations with them, when they want to rape them, they do not fight in the stereotypical way that survivors often do. They do not fight. They do not resist. They just sit there and take it. Is maybe the shock too much? Well, the, Absolutely. Um, the statement to fight in itself is a myth. Hmm. A lot of times when you talk about acts of sexual violence, mm -hmm. acts of rape, mm -hmm. the assumption is that the alleged perpetrator is physically attacking the We watch it in Hollywood movies. Because that's what you see. Yes. And that you know, the immediate response of this is shouting and is scratching and, scratch and beating. And kick yeah. This is not true. The woman that is in shock that lies perfectly still, hmm. the woman that's trying to process hmm. while the act is occurring mm. is as violated as the woman they're mm. scratching and screaming. Mm. And so that's the first myth that if nothing else today should actually be broken and be debunked. Mm. You don't have to be a survivor of this crime only if you fight against the crime. Mm. By virtue of you not giving your consent, mm -hmm. whether or not you're holding on to your perpetrator mm -hmm. or you're fighting your perpetrator off, mm. is in itself an unlawful act mm -hmm. and is considered a crime. Hmm. Uh, let me come to you, Shema. Um, so, so you've heard a lot of the defense that you've, you, you know, mm. that have all the time that there's a story about rape. Mm. One of the first questions is, why didn't you run away? Mm. Why, why didn't you scream and shout? But we've what had were the, you doing there? Yeah, what were you, you wearing? Know, but le le we've had the doctor say to us that that's a myth. Mm. Everybody reacts to things differently. I mean, psychologists tell you that there is fight, flight, or freeze, mm. and a lot of people freeze. Yeah, mm -hmm. huh? that happens. Happen. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So I'm just gonna write off what Dr. Kemi said. Dr. Kemi. Yes. Correct. Uh, yeah. I'm just gonna write off what Dr. Kemi said, and it brings to mind the story of a girl I worked with. Um, she was a teenager. They found out that the pastor was violating her. Mm. She was 15, and at that time, she had been sleeping with him since she was 12. Oh, my God. And her mom was a party to it, or her mom didn't want to come to terms with it because it was getting her nice things, coming to take her for crusade. She sings beautifully. Mm. And so, like, okay, he needs the Spirit of God to come down so mm. that when he, she sings, he can do his thing. She sings beautifully. And it happened 12, 13, 14. At 14, the young girl felt she was at par with his wife. He was getting her nice things, everything she wanted. Mm. You know, she'd go for crusades with him. And she was from a poor home. Mm. So it was easy for her parents to receive the gifts. And it was from daddy. Daddy loves us. Daddy mm. cares about us. And daddy's just trying to help my daughter. I'll send you to school. Mm. FYI, she's from a poor home. Mm. I'll send you to school. I'll give you everything you want. Mm. Your life is sorted. She became proud of it. She mm. loved that she was having sexual relations with this person. Mm. But it was wrong. Since she was 12. You know, Sorry to interrupt you, but the point 
is so valid mm. because we work in the educational school system mm. and these are public school girls between the ages of 12 and 16 mm. and we take in these specifically designed educational curricula mm. to actually help them to identify grooming mm. as it were and mm. then to help prevent against sexual abuse mm. the very first thing you have to do is actually break down the young girl mm. because one in three girls based on our M&E will tell you that they are survivors of one sexual act or the mm. other. Yeah. And the caregiver is typically the perpetrator. Mm. Yeah. But they've been socialized at such a young age that they actually do not recognize that these are acts mm. that are unbecoming. Mm. And so the first conversation you have with them, they're actually taking aback when you say to them, well, it's actually not right. Mm. It's actually a crime. It's actually mm. wrong mm. for this caregiver to actually encourage you to perform an oral sexual act on them. Mm -hmm. And then they look at you like, oh no, he's not penetrating me. Mm -hmm. He's only making me perform an oral act. Mm -hmm. And she's all of 10 years old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like you rightly said, mm -hmm. over time, and back to that whole conversation about grooming, grooming. when you're socialized from such a young age, mm -hmm. and then you are identified as that vulnerable child. Mm -hmm. Because you have to remember, if you're socialized from the home, and you then take this into school settings mm. or any other settings that groomer identifies you immediately almost like an invisible raider i see as that vulnerable child i see and this is why so you give us something you, exactly yes. which is why the narrative when you listen to these often. young ladies mm. they will tell you that they're repeated acts of violence over mm. the course of their lives mm. by different people yes. mm. now franklin a lot of us are defined by our religious beliefs a lot of us hang on to religion um as a way to to go through life right now yeah. we have these young children young boys young girls who are going to church and i say young i use the word young relatively young is below 18 let me make that very very clear so right. you see how she's 17 she looks like she's wise i don't hear she get big breasts she's still a child right so uh, she's below 18 and you know she's going to church and we feel like no they're safe they're in church they're learning about god they're learning about how to be good decent human beings are there some ways that some churches inadvertently put young uh, uh, people at risk, Franklin? Yes. So now, the, the thing is the institution, or the way the institution of the church is, mm. is framed, makes it very easy for these things to happen. And I was listening in on the conversation about grooming. Mm. So the church is expert ground, like it's very fertile ground. I beg your pardon for grooming. Mm. So you have someone you look up to and, it's, and the person takes interest in you. And one, one thing, what's interesting is when I ever, whenever I have conversation with people about rape, the average person looks at rape as, you know, violent crime where, uh, okay, you're coming back from work at night, you stop at what, Osho, the bus stop, and some boys drag you into a corner mm. and rape you. But we know that data shows that majority of rapes are actually by people you know and trust. That's right. And, that, and, so, and so that's what happens. So you have that situation where there are people that these children look up to, that they trust. Mm. And these children are, are products of a larger society where sex is something we don't talk about. They have parents who have not told them what to do, what not to do. Mm. They do not have open communication channels with their parents mm. who tell them, okay, if someone touches you the way you, that makes you feel uncomfortable or like this, this is what you do. Mm. So it makes it very easy. Mm. So it's not like, okay, going to church puts the child at risk. Mm -hmm. No. But the way the systems of the church are make it very easy for rapists to find their way there. I was also talking to someone the other day about the Catholic church. And I was like, it's very easy for pedophiles 
to be attracted to institutions like that hmm. because number one it gives you the power you need number two it gives you access to the ideal quote-unquote victims that you're going to prey on hmm. so those kind of people are attracted to institutions like that hmm. so it's not necessarily that the child is going to church that put the child at risk mm-hmm. but the way the church is designed mm-hmm. and there's no support for the child to speak up mm-hmm. oh who do you even tell even mm-hmm. if you're not telling your parents mm-hmm. who do you tell in the church mm-hmm. and you know and what's painful was that i was telling someone about this case that is all over the news mm-hmm. that i mean a lot of people believe her because she fit the ideal of a quote unquote the perfect she has a you know a spooky a spooky clean image. Mm. You no, know, she's perfect, quote unquote. Mm. This is why a lot of people believe her. Mm. But even in that perfection, quote unquote, that she has, quite a lot of people still do not believe her. Yeah. So imagine if this was a single woman who does not tick our our respectability boxes, what would it be like? Quite the so thing. literally no support. I'm glad so you've gone people. into the territory of perception. Now, there's a perception that yes. women are more likely to be very active uh, church members than men, right? Yes. Yet, you, yes. ha- you have ministry dominated by men. The overwhelming number of pastors are men. How has the lack of representation, because we often don't even go there, like lack of representation yes. affects everything, right? How how I has agree. the lack of representation for women at the highest levels of the church affected the will of church leaders to fight sexual abuse? I agree. And the, the truth is that, you know, when people whose living realities it is are not represented at tables, mm-hmm. at any tables, this is what you're going to have. Mm. So even not just in the church, if you look at the workplace, corporate institutions, I'm sure if you do a survey on boards in Nigeria, there'll probably be less than 10 women, 10%. I don't have the data, Mm. but I'm sure there'll probably be less than 10% of women sitting on these boards. Mm. So in the rooms where these decisions are made, where policy is put in place, where protocols are set on how to deal with things, women are not there. Mm. So you have men who are often the perpetrators, who are making the rules on how these things are going to be tackled, who are creating the atmosphere for what's going to happen mm. and it's not going to be a fair system mm. but when you have women because the average woman can relate mm. can relate even if you can't relate to rape you can relate to someone being creepy around you mm-hmm. you can relate to someone being in your personal space mm-hmm. you can relate to someone you know making you uncomfortable with your advances mm-hmm. so when you have women who are in these rooms where this is being said and mm-hmm. they can say okay this is what's going to happen mm-hmm. this is what is going to happen mm-hmm. this is how it happened mm-hmm. so it's very also very possible that you know there are lots of people who are either oblivious or who know what to do and who don't do it again i refer to the report from america about the catholic church because it's america that we have seen mm. i'm sure if that survey if that thing was done in nigeria it would be a mess mm. if you look at that you can see that there was there was an active will to conceal you know three billion dollars was spent settling these cases quietly priests were simply transferred to other churches the church was not told yo this guy that's coming is a pedophile keep him away from children no so they were just moving them around and covering it so men were doing these things men were covering it and this is it's, it, when we say men you know people will say not all men fine there's that but we're talking about men as an institution not necessarily as individuals so men are doing these things men are covering these things and women who are often at the receiving end are not in these spaces to say okay this is how it's supposed to 
go. This is what we should do. This is what we should not do. So I agree with you that there's a lack of representation in the rooms where these decisions are made. Mm. And someone said, we're talking the other day, and someone said, oh, but there are a few women who are there and they're not making, they're not saying anything. And I always say, so what the patriarchy does is that the patriarchy opens the door for a few women who tick the boxes the patriarchy approves of. So these women are let in and they are reminded every day how grateful they should be for the opportunity. So the few women who have access do not want to rock the boat. And that's what you see in politics, that's what you see in corporations, and that's what you see in religion. So the few women who come in do not want to rock the boat. Yeah, you've raised a number of points. Shema, I wonder if you agree with Franklin that uh, if we had more women, we would probably have more women who understand what the young girls are going through and more women who may be able to, um, um, you know, bring down the numbers as far as sexual abuse in the church is concerned. Do you agree, Shema? Um, I'm on the fence with that one. Okay. Two reasons. Mm. I'm on the fence with that because... Um, we already have women in we don't have enough women but mm. we do have women in positions of authority who are indifferent and remember I said earlier that even mothers allow violence to happen mm. I think it's bigger than having more women on the board mm. I think you could have 20 women who don't think like you mm. and who have experienced sexual violence and they say well I've been raped before what's there mm. because we do hear people say that we'll hey say I've that. been raped before so what's there not only you they don't rape yeah mm. so I think it's bigger than that I but think again let's let's get well, down can I ask a question. Yes, Can I ask? yes, you know, so if we talk about women representation, how many churches in Nigeria are led by women? Do we know any? And I'm not talking of, I'm not talking of some small prayer house. How many mainstream ministries in Nigeria are run by women? And I'm talking of the wife of the GU, that the woman started the church and is running it. How many are they? Hi, Franklin. I've seen a church run by a woman that is just as crap as a church run by a man. I would say this with every sense of responsibility. It is bigger than a woman leading a church. Mm. The problem is in rape culture. How do we dismantle rape culture? How mm. do we get... Because, like I said earlier, 10 women, might they might all be leading churches mm-hmm. and sexual violence will be happening under them when the people are under them because they don't... They haven't taken ownership of mm. it. Because we do have women, uh, Shema, who are in church and who are attacking their fellow women and girls who speak up. Yes. Why does this happen, uh, uh, Doctor? Why does this happen, Shema? I, I would think, because I've experienced it too, I've seen that happen. Mm. I will think it's because we have been groomed to think sex is such a dirty thing. Mm. And if sex happens to a woman, if a woman, a girl is violated or she's raped, mm. it's because she was dirty. Something about her is dirty, someone, something about her is unclean. Mm. And you just can't marry someone who says, oh, God is going to do this for you. Someone who's supposed to be like a morality, a, a, an epitome of morality, mm-hmm. doing something to a girl's... It's, we have some mystified sex and mystified everything that surrounds it that when sexual violence happens, it's easy to blame the woman. Mm. So it's, that's why m- women, mothers, it happens. They say, you, you had it coming. You shouldn't have done it this way. Why are you just speaking out? Mm. You know, a girl has experienced violence and you say, why are you just speaking out? Mm. And how do you, because you were thought that it was dirty. Mm. So if something dirty happened to you, you deserve it. So I don't want to speak. So people, I'm not for that stigmatized. Mm. And when people do speak out, they are stigmatized mm. because women have come to take ownership of it. So mm. we can have 20 women in leadership as far as I'm concerned but they don't have understanding of what's going on. Mm. They are still not going to address the issues. Mm. It's just going to be women in leadership doing what they need to do to, to, because they are in leadership. Mm. So that doesn't address the issue. The problem. I don't think. Mm. And how do you... Because you were... Do you, because I, I, is a pedophile keeping away from children? No. 
So they were just moving them around and covering it. So men were doing these things. Men were covering it. And this is, it's, it, when we say men, you know, people will say not all men. Fine, there's that. But we're talking about men as an institution, not necessarily as individuals. So men are doing these things. Men are covering these things. And women who are often at the receiving end are not in these spaces to say, okay, this is how it's supposed to go. This is what we should do. This is what we should not do. So I agree with you that there's a lack of representation in the rooms where these decisions are made. Mm. And someone said, we're talking the other day, and someone said, oh, but there are a few women who are there, and they're not making, they're not saying anything. And I always say, so what the patriarchy does is that the patriarchy opens the door for a few women who tick the boxes the patriarchy approves of. So these women are let in, and they are reminded every day how grateful they should be for the opportunity. So the few women who have access do not want to rock the boat. And that's what you see in politics, that's what you see in corporations, and that's what you see in religion. So the few women who come in do not want to rock the boat. Yeah, you've raised a number of points. Shema, I wonder if you agree with Franklin that uh, if we had more women, we would probably have more women who understand what the young girls are going through and more women who may be able to, um, um, you know, bring down the numbers as far as sexual abuse in the church is concerned. Do you agree, Shema? Um, I'm on the fence with that one. Okay. Two reasons. Mm. I'm on the fence with that because um, we already have women in, we don't have enough women, but mm. we do have women in positions of authority who are indifferent. And remember I said earlier that even mothers allow violence to happen. Mm. I think it's bigger than having more women on the board. Mm. I think you could have 20 women who don't think like you mm. and who have experienced sexual violence and they say, well, I've been raped before. What's there? Mm. Because we do hear people say that, we'll hey, say I've that been raped before, so what's there? Not only you, they don't rape. Yeah, mm. so I think it's bigger than that. I but think again, let's, let's get well, down. Can I ask you a question? Yes, can I ask? Mm. Yes, you know, so if we talk about women representation, how many churches in Nigeria are led by women? Do we know any? And I'm not talking of, well, I'm not talking of some small prayer house. How many mainstream ministries in Nigeria are run by women? And I'm talking of the wife of the GU, that the woman started the church and is running it. How many are they? Hi, Franklin. I've seen a church run by a woman that is just as crap as a church run by a man. I would say this with every sense of responsibility. It is bigger than a woman leading a church. Hmm. The problem is in rape culture how do we dismantle rape culture how Mm. do we get because like i said earlier 10 women might they might all be leading churches Mm -hmm. and sexual violence will be happening under them when the people under them because they don't they haven't taken ownership of Mm. it because we do have women uh, shema who are in church and who are attacking their fellow women and girls who speak up why does this happen uh, uh doctor why does this happen shema I, I would think, because I've experienced it too, I've seen that happen. Mm. I would think it's because we have been groomed to think sex is such a dirty thing. Mm. And if sex happens to a woman, if a woman, a girl is violated or she's raped, mm. it's because she was dirty. Something about her is dirty, someone, something about her is unclean. Mm. And you just can't marry someone who says, oh, God is going to do this for you. Someone who's supposed to be like a morality, a, a, an epitome of morality, mm-hmm. doing something to uh, girls. It's We have so mystified sex and mystified everything that surrounds it that when sexual violence happens, it's easy to blame the woman. Mm. So it's that's why m- women, mothers, it happens. They say, you, you had it coming. You shouldn't have done it this way. Why are you just speaking out? Mm. You know, a girl has experienced violence and you say, why are you just speaking out? Mm. And how do you... Because you were thought that it was dirty. Mm. So if something dirty happened to you, you deserved it. So I don't want to speak. So people, I'm not for that stigmatized. Mm. And when people do speak out, they are stigmatized mm. because women have 
haven't come to take ownership of it. So mm. we can have 20 women in leadership as far as I'm concerned, but if they don't have understanding of what's going on, mm. they are still not going to address the issues. Mm. It's just going to be women in leadership doing what they need to do to, to, because they are in leadership. Mm. So it, that doesn't address the issue. The problem. I don't think it does. Yeah, and I think that's I mean, true. Again, but don't you, know, you think if we had more women in power within that subset, we will find those who can fix it? Because data actually shows that organizations that are run by women, countries run by women, are more aware of sexual sexual violence. So maybe if we had a hundred, and out of the hundred, we'll probably have fifteen who know what is at stake and who know how to fix it. Don't you think so? So let me come to uh, Doctor Da Silva. Please go ahead. Now I was about to say that. Um, we have to remember that we live in a patriarchal country. Mm. I, I like to say break down the, the terms. Okay, in terms of <laughs> this is where women have been generally subjugated. Mm. No, that's still, that's still big. Okay. That's Women have been kept down mm. for many years. Okay. I know, as I'm sure both of you do, many women, many strong women, women that if placed in positions of authority would rule and would rule well. Mm. But they're not given an opportunity mm. to do so. So it's all well and good in a general sense to mm. say, well, you know, we should know better and we can do better. But mm. how about first let's be given the, you know, the opportunity of being put in that position of authority so we can show you mm. that, yes, we do know better and we can do better. Um, Franklin, I want to come to you and uh, and then we're going to uh, take a few calls. Our numbers are 01277 993 01277-0993-01277-1993-01277-2993 and 01277-3993. Um, you are somebody who, um, you know, has been a Christian a long time, has led uh, uh, um, different cells in the church. A lot of critics say that a lot of churches have raised their spiritual leaders, their pastors, their GOs on a pedestal, and they treat them like they're superhumans who can do no wrong, and 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 that this lack of accountability is what leads to abuse. Have you seen that dynamic at work in all of your years as a Christian? Oh, of course, it is. It's something that you see. So the pastor's word is law. You know, what the pastor says is, is, is the word of God, literally. Mm. And then the pastor is your access, you know. So he brings the word of God to you. I mean, I've been in places where someone will say, oh, my pastor, my life coach, you understand? Mm. Oh, when it's Father's Day, my goodness, you see how these people are idolized, praises are lavished on them. This can get into the head of the worst person. Mm. You know, power does not change necessarily, just magnifies who you are. Mm. So when you have a sliver of this, and then you are, in, you are thrown in the midst of all of this, and then you become untouchable. Mm. And that's what happens. So you, get, you do one, and you get away with it, and you do two, and you get away with it. It gets to the point where you are convinced that you're actually doing the right thing. <laughs> that is why I was reading uh, Busola Dakolo's account, and she said that they are led rapists Said, her, said to her, you should be grateful that the man of God that did this to you. That did not surprise me because that's the sort of rhetoric you will hear from those sort of people. So you have become made into some God and you cannot be criticized. They remind you that um, touch not my anointed, you know, and then there was this scripture, I really can't remember, I think it was Moses, Moses and then he did something and then the people that spoke against him were caught, even though he did wrong. So these are some of the things that they teach you. Oh, he did wrong, and then people that spoke against him, they were caught. And then he went caught free. 
you are, you get so he did wrong. So if you see all of that is all with time I began to realize it was deliberate. And that's why look at you you look at church finances, they're not made clear to everybody to see, and you can't ask questions. So you leave you are in these places where you can't ask questions. They tell you, Oh, this is what we do. It, where I was and that culture of no of that culture of not asking questions transfers to other things, including abuse, yeah. huh? It transfers to other things. Mm. So I remember one of the things they would say to us, instruction is our life. That's like one thing they used to chant to us. So it was, it, it was like David mind control. So what it means is what we tell you to do is what you do, you just run with the vision. So instruction is our life. We do not rebel. We are children of obedience. So that's what you they tell you. So when you can't ask questions, you can't bring it up. So and and it's your man of God. I mean, he has to be right. All right, Franklin. Let me take a few. Let me take a few calls. Uh, um, A lot of people itching to join the conversation. Hello, Esu. Thanks for calling us. Hello. Good afternoon. Yeah. Good afternoon. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I'm Esu. I'm calling from Badagri. Okay, welcome to, welcome to the show. Go ahead. Yeah, um, my, my, my problem is with the terminology. No, radio is very powerful. Is there any place that is a rape culture? Knowing that culture means a way of life of people. Is there a place in the world that they have rape culture? Yes, Nigeria is such a place. Everywhere in the world, actually, is such a place. That is wrong. Don't use radio and do what happened in, uh, in Rwanda. There's no rape culture anywhere. <laughs> You know what culture? All right, so we have uh, Reverend Esu saying that there's no rape culture anywhere. Reverend Esu, hold on. Culture is a people's way of life. Name a group of people, a tribe or ethnic group that rape is their culture. All right, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's answer that question for you. All right, so I have a doctor whose work is with, um, you know, survivors of rape. So I would like you to please break it down. Pretend that you're talking to a three-year-old. What is rape culture? So rape culture, rape culture Hmm. is when you're living in an environment Mm -hmm. where everything in that environment points to encouraging this act. Whether it's a woman that is allowed the freedom to walk down the street Mm. without being harassed Mm. sexually, whether it's a young girl that's allowed to go to school without fear of threat of losing grades because a lecturer is going to probably prey on her, whether it's at home, her safe space, when her biological or even a caregiver in the home is allegedly being the perpetrator on a daily basis mm. and when she speaks out when mm. she goes out there and she says this is happening to me this is wrong mm. the community turn on her and then they victim blame mm. and then they start to ask her questions like well why you mm. what were you doing culture what is a way of life so it mm. becomes a way of her so life that is a way of life community's way of thinking so, so that and that is why we call this a rape culture mm-hmm. so, uh, so that is a new definition in english language give us the name of the dictionary that has that as a definition Culture, you said, is a way of life, isn't it? So, culture if culture is a way of life, when something becomes a part of living, it's on the dictionary that has that definition. Say what you said again. 
give us the dictionary that have that long winding definition of culture, so that we can also find a culture of rape in a tribe or in an ethnic group. I think if it you go to urban to dictionary, you find the definition of rape culture. Yeah, but that's not the point, though. I, I think we're being bogged down by semantics and mm. and, that's, and terminology. Yeah, really. mm. and that's I mean, not sir, it. we don't have to call it rape culture. Yeah. How about a way of life? Well, no, that <laughs> rape has become a way <laughs> of life in our what, what if we even say, do we condone rape in Nigeria? Yep. Yep. Do we? That, do we, yes, in ways that we yes, yeah, in in, yeah. in, in intentional, ways intentional and unintentional yeah. ways. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. how about that? Let's start with that. Yeah, let's hmm. start, that, that can work. Let's talk that to, would work. Let's talk to uh, uh, Meg. Meg is in Lecky. Hello, Meg. Hello. Thanks for calling. Sandra, I had to use my other line. I don't know why you people are wasting time with trying to interpret culture, rape culture. We know there's a rape culture in Nigeria. Period. Where, where everything is against a child that has been raped. And a mother calls to say he wants you to give her a dictionary that has rape culture as a definition. <laughs> I am so appalled at this, this kind of talk. What definition does she want? A young girl cannot come out and say she's raped. She goes to the police station. The policeman tells her, what were you wearing? What were you doing? Why did you pass there at that time? Like, what, what happened to you? Are you sure you didn't encourage him to rape you? And somebody calls and ignorantly says she doesn't know what rape culture in Nigeria is. Oh, please. It's back to the topic. The, 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 the abuse in, in, in the church of God of young women has gone on for too long. I got married in the Catholic church, and I, like, like the young man said there, the, 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 the report in Philadelphia, where they found out that 1,000 priests had abused 300 children. Hmm. It was a deliberate act by the state. So what are we saying? It's been going on for years. That's right. This topic that has, this thing that has happened now, people are doubting the lady. They should take time and go watch the video for full one hour, 20 something minutes. And see what this lady, hear what she said and feel her pain. Could have mercy. Meg, thank you for calling us. Let's talk to Chooks, who thinks that uh, pastors are taking advantage of young women and that it didn't start today. Hello, Chooks. Hello, hello, sister. How are you? I'm very well. Thank my you for calling. calling for my yes, go ahead and share um, your thoughts. Yeah, my thought is that uh, it is systemic uh, uh, behavior in the church. You know, the church is known to be an abode for people that have one issues or the other, either financial issue or whatever. And because of all these their issues, and people are, these people that come in, they are eager to get solution to their situation. And uh, even sometimes in some areas, in some churches, they will portray that behavior as if it's a solution or part of the solution. Or the solution is on the way by taking um, uh, that action. And uh, they brainwash in a way, you know. And uh, it's a very complex issue. And uh, sometimes when it has to do with finances, especially, uh, you know, people people that have been, uh, uh, that benefited financially or otherwise from maybe the head or the pastor, you know, they are the ones that will not castigate the others. You know, we cannot have the same frame mind of thought in, the, in a particular environment. Some people, they will support evil, like in the country now. When you bring up a topic, 
so you it is so evident that this thing is wrong you see see some people justifying it that is exactly a thought is just an epitome of the world if the church is straight i want to tell you nigeria is going to be straight we are more touchy than it's quite the so, thing. You, you, you're quite right. But you know, um, I, I want to talk to you, Franklin, about solutions yes. now, right? It's the church. It's religious so institutions. I want to talk to you about solutions now, right? Okay, so yes. it's religious in- institutions. It's a church. It's yes. a babalao. babalao it's an, a, a mosque. How do we get these things to stop and it's not just the pentecostal churches it's the orthodox churches as well we've got reports of of priests who are raping nuns who are raping small boys who are raping small girls it's it's happening everywhere in the world it's not unique to nigeria what's the solution franklin so first of all i think before we get to the church Hmm. we also need to look at the larger society so one of the women said about how we teach girls shame yeah and this shame is the fertile ground that rape culture grows hmm. so from as little as you can your earliest memories your parents are telling you how to cross your legs sit down properly why you know so you associate sex with shame and you associate your body with shame hmm. you know the, the revolutionary writer dj says the is almost like you're guilty of something by the virtue by the virtue of the fact that you're born female you're automatically guilty of something so there's that so that context so when these things begin to happen first of all you cannot even speak because oh you're dirty and you would have brought it upon yourself so one of the things or the, or the things we can do is first of all we have to demystify the we have to demystify the conversations around sex and by extension rape in the churches and we also need to make it possible for people to talk okay this is what i am going through and we have to be able to look at these things without looking at it through the prison of, oh, okay, the pastor who can do no wrong, or the man of God who can do no wrong. I beg your pardon. And it's not an attack on your church. Someone was raped. It's not an attack on your faith. Someone did this. That person is not representative of your church. He's not representative of your religion. In that act, he acted individually. So let that person be held accountable. And that's very important because people rape because they can and because they can get away with it. It's as simple as that. If you live in countries where you know that the justice systems work and women will get justice if they speak, you see that the rates will drop. Simple. So we need to be able to hold people accountable. And when women speak up or men or children and say, okay, this has happened, there has to be support for the victim. The victim should be allowed to tell their story, and we should be able to look at it logically without being clouded by, oh, he's affecting our, we're, we're trying to attack the faith, the devil is trying to bring down the church, which is what these men count on that will be the response. So they will get away with it. All right, let me, let, me, let me come to Shema. Let me come to Shema, and then we're going to uh, come to uh, Dr. De Silva, who's actually doing something active to help uh, uh, survivors, providing a solution, if you'd like. Uh, Shema, over to you. 
Okay, I'm going to write on Franklin's point where he said that um, people don't question spiritual authority mm. and that's why they get away with it. I think it's bigger than that. Mm. And I think he, he, he spoke about that a bit. I think it's bigger than that because in our general Nigerian society, I'll not say the whole of Africa, mm. but in Nigeria's context, we don't question authority. Mm. That is why you find a senator who has ripped you of your land, ripped you of your resources, ripped you of everything. You go and say, Ranka did this, sir. Mm. That is why you find people who you know are corrupt and you still honor them in your community and give them awards even within our social context mm. we give governors who have done nothing awards mm-hmm. and so it's bigger than that and so the question should be should we start to speak truth to power mm. yes and should we not be afraid of authority yes and so we should demystify like you said those big words that make people feel like they have closer access to god we mm. should understand that sex without consent is rape your body is your body anybody who takes anything from you should take it with your permission but we have a comment here that says there's a clear difference between rape sexual assault and sexual uh, sexual abuse and sexual harassment busa dakolo was sexually abused not raped she never screamed or resisted oh wow oh, I, i'm guessing this person wasn't listening when Dr. Uh, da Silva was explaining that. Huh? I almost feel like not dignifying that with a response. Yeah. Because the truth of the matter is, it's just wordplay. Mm-hmm. And exactly what Sema was saying, this is much bigger than any church, any mosque, any praying um, field. This is an act that has been perpetrated against women for centuries. Mm. It so happens that one case has brought this to light mm. and I'm very grateful as most women in this community in this country are mm. because now I believe it's giving more women a platform to mm. speak their truth. Mm. But lest we forget this is not about one church mm-hmm. or one pastor. Mm-hmm. This is a much bigger problem. Mm-hmm. And yes, it is a rape culture, to use the term that the gentleman <laughs> previously seemed to have a problem with. Mm-hmm. And we need for this to stop. Mm-hmm. Enough is enough. Yeah. We need for this to end. Mm. And it starts with conversation. Movements are amazing because movements are the start of any form of social change. Mm-hmm. But we need to now move past a movement mm-hmm. and translate all of this into something tangible. Mm. When survivors come out to speak their truth, they need assistance. Mm. They need resources. Mm. They need infrastructure. They need a place to heal. Mm. It's not enough to say, give them a platform to speak. And then what? Mm-hmm. These are women that are now breaking free from chains of silence and abuse of many years. Mm. They finally found their voices and now they need assistance. Mm-hmm. And they need you to listen. Mm-hmm. But they don't need you to spend any time on word games. Mm-hmm. They don't need you to spend any time trying to tell them what church to go to or not. Mm-hmm. They just need you to listen and believe them mm-hmm. so that we can break this culture of silence. All right. So we've got so many comments. My goodness. So many. Where do I even start? Uh, this one says uh, a solution uh, is regrettable that it happened to a pastor which represented the church. For me, the topic should not be based on the church, but generally religious body. But my question is, if that pastor was a poor pastor, okay, I'm not going to even dignify that comment we've got tunde from ikorodu who says the rape thing is uh, in the religious institution has been on for a long time we need to bring morals in all that we do the churches need to start teaching morals so that schools and institutions rather than preaching about money making but i don't think that's what the problem is because even in the places that teach you a lot of morals uh, sexual abuse is still going on uh, we've got uh, more comment here let's see sandra good afternoon to you and all of your guests thank you for touching most of the very important parts of this rape culture and sexual abuse and assault in religious places. But you people are leaving one thing untouched, victimization. These little girls cannot leave 
uh, cannot talk because their parents may not believe them because he's a powerful man of God and there's fear of disgrace in the parents. Well, we talked about that and we did mention that one of the things that we need to do is talk some more. So conversations like this on the radio, conversations at home, conversations in your little corner of the world trying to break that glass ceiling. Tell us about what uh, Women at Risk Foundation does for people who have been raped and who need to find healing. So if you're a survivor of rape, or sexual violence or you know of a survivor please have them either come to the Warwick Center this is at number 6 Turton Street off Thurban Avenue in Yaba it's a walk-in facility no red tape it's open Monday through to Saturday hmm. from 8:30 a.m. to 5 p.m. Hmm. we offer free medical services HIV tests medical treatment forensic medical examinations we start counseling sessions for those that are in need and we also look at your social welfare status. So if you're in a home of abuse, we would look for accommodation for you. Mm. We would seek legal aid if indeed the judicial system is the direction that you're you leaning want to towards. Mm. And then for women that are making poor choices because of financial constraints, mm. we would look at vocational skills trainings for you. Mm. So please visit the Warriors Center. Mm. If you cannot make it to the Warriors Center, we have a 24-hour confidential call line. Okay. The phone number is 809 210 or 0809-210-0008. Mm. All right, Franklin, thank you so much for joining us on the conversation today. Thank you so much, Sandra, for having me. And thank you to uh, Shema, who's a human rights lawyer. She works uh, with uh, Osiwa. Can I say that? She's a project manager with Osiwa. And, of course, Dr. Kemi De Silva Ibru, who is the founder of Women at Risk International Foundation. Thank you so much for having this conversation on Nigeria Info today. Thank you very much for having me. It's a conversation that will continue next week between you who's listening and I because you wanted to call in today and unfortunately you couldn't. But I needed you to sit back and learn so that next week when we talk, you can talk with a lot more information than you currently have. Coming up, let's talk about Ruga settlements. Uh huh. The federal government has suspended that plan. We'll tell you so much more. Don't go away. 99.3 Nigeria Info. Yeah, it was, uh, people do went over still.